This is Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Monday, May 2nd. Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, Pete Sampson with our main focus in segment one on the NFL draft. Notre Dame had two players drafted. I do want to mention that we will, uh, of course, a, a bigger news out of Notre Dame regarding the current roster. Logan Diggs underwent left shoulder surgery for a torn labrum. Uh, we'll address that further in, in segment two, but I do want to focus on the NFL draft. I don't know that by the time the draft rolled around that it was a shock that Kyle Hamilton slid to number 14. Uh, and as far as Kyron Williams, I think we had him projected in the fourth round. He went in the fifth round. Maybe a little bit more surprised with Kevin Austin not being drafted. But uh, guys, just your perspective on Kyle Hamilton going 14th, his landing spot, and Kyron Williams and the rest. Sounded like Kyle Williams or Kyle Hamilton was going to drop, and he did. Um, they got a really good player at number 14. <laughs> uh, Baltimore has a weapon, a defensive weapon. I don't care if safety is undervalued. He doesn't only play safety. He'll be the best nickel, safety, roving, coverage linebacker on third down in the league in a couple of years. And 14 is a great, great steal for Baltimore. They were probably like, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. <laughs> because I can imagine that draft room was pretty happy about the prospects they had as that draft progressed. Yeah, it was pretty wild. I mean, if I was Hamilton, I would be peeved that I dropped to 14. Yeah, he looked, which I he feel, looked, he looked not <laughs> thrilled about it. Yeah. But then once you sort of like get away from that, I was like, all right, I'm going to a franchise that knows clearly knows what they're doing. Um, they, they picked up, I think, Lindenbaum at the end of the first round. You know, another guy who is like at the top of his position group. And you're going to a franchise that is has a stable coaching in Harbaugh and a franchise quarterback already. So... That's it is not the worst thing in the world. Um, you know, it's like if if the Lions traded up to get you at 14, I probably would not be thrilled about it. Um, but going to a franchise like like if you went to Baltimore or you went to Pittsburgh, there are not a lot of well-run NFL franchises, but Baltimore clearly is one. Well, few are as consistent as the two that you just mentioned, Baltimore and Pittsburgh. And so from that perspective, it's great. Uh, there's a, there's about $25 million in there for him, including signing bonus, which is a lot less than it had it been a top five, but yeah. it's still, it's still a pretty good starting point, uh, for Kyle Hamilton and in a really good situation as, as you said, I mean, a, 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 established organization that wins with, you know, John Harbaugh is on completely solid ground and I don't know how much players necessarily um, you know, put much thought into that, but it's a, it's a good situation for him other than the extra millions that he would have had by being a top five pick. Now, Kyron Williams, well, he gets to go to a Super Bowl uh, winner. That's not too bad. Yeah. That, I think that I was going to say the I was most interested uh, in Sean McVay name checking Tommy Reese when he was talking about Kyron Williams, which. I yes, think. I saw that. Probably, uh, if you listen to this podcast, you, kn you knew that would probably happen. But if you're a Notre Dame fan who just grumbles about uh, a second and 10 play that only got two yards, then maybe you wouldn't. So there is it, nothing uh, worse, Pete, than a second and 10 run, though. You have to admit that. It's frustrating. <laughs> how many oh times, you, how many okay, times you're, have you're, you seen we're it? We're off topic already. You throw an right. incompletion on yeah. first down and they run on second down. It happens all the time. We this can't is throw, unbelievable. We unbelievable. can't throw again. If we throw an incompletion again, we've only used up yeah, eight seconds. Third, no, Pete, now you, see you, got, you guys just fired Reese. We're trying to compliment Kyron Williams and you want Tommy Reese fired. This is unbelievable. <laughs> no, but As a could, 49ers uh, fan, I really thought Kyron Williams would fit great in uh, 
Kyle Shanahan's offense and he's going to fit great in Sean McVay's offense because what did we say before the draft? I, Kyron Williams is a championship level backup running back and that is the league now having three championship level backup running backs is the same as having the guy used to give it to 26 times or 27. Yeah, no doubt in the Perfect. versatility of what he yep. can do in the passing game, but you know, having, having done what he did in the combine, you, you have to expect a little bit of a drop. And I think most projections yep. were around fourth round. I ended up projecting fourth round. I thought he would still hang in there. Uh, but for both of those guys, a really, really good situation. Uh, and, and there's a need for Kyron Williams there, really, with, with the diversity that he brings in his game. So that's a that's a pretty good situation. Now, um, how many months ago was it when I react when I overreacted to Pete saying, "Well, I don't think he's going to come back." Kevin, it was Austin. probably October. It was probably it was, October, and it, right? it yeah. and and it, at the time it was like, if you want to leave Notre Dame and play somewhere else leave Notre Dame and play somewhere else, but don't enter your name in the draft. Now, again, he goes to the combine and he raised his profile enough that I thought, yeah, he's going to get drafted near the end of the, uh, on, on Sunday. Um, yeah, but he didn't, and he should have come back and he made a mistake. And I know everybody wants to blame everybody, but Kevin Austin, but there's plenty to blame Kevin Austin about with the way his, his career at Notre Dame transpired. I was, I was shocked that he didn't get drafted in light of his pro day and, and combine performance. Um, Cause I mean, we had talked early on, what was the line? It was like, there are a thousand Kevin Austin's in the NFL, like hundred his, te- his, his testing numbers. There are actually, there are not a hundred guys who can do that. Um, so I was surprised that nobody took a chance on that. Um, I, I'm surprised nobody took a chance on that. Like in the fifth round, um, not all the way out of it entirely. So that was that was definitely definitely a surprise to me. I, I was surprised he wasn't drafted. Uh, the silent member of our podcast was not surprised he wasn't drafted. He did tell us he was not going to get drafted probably. So that's kudos uh, to one to one member here listening uh, or to one publisher here listening. Um, Austin, uh, the whole thing with Austin is clearly no one believes he should have left except for him. And he graduated from Notre Dame and he survived four suspensions, many, almost all of everything he did self-inflicted. He was probably ready to move on. He moved on and it didn't work. I mean, I, I of course he should not have left, but if he doesn't want to be at Notre Dame anymore, it's hard to keep him there. man. Exactly. It and that's really why is. I say choose, choose yeah. another school then in, in for the, the benefit of your career. But, but you know, I he, will he, say though, he tried, he, he blew up at the combine. So he, it wasn't that bad of a plan. Oh, true. You know? True. True. I, yeah, I, I mean, going into the weekend, I thought, you know what? It's going to work out for Kevin Austin. Good for him. He made the right made the right choice. So, you know, I'm I'm second guessing after the fact here. I admit that. Um, but he made so many mistakes along the way. And, and he yes. had, the, oh, he yeah, had the, yeah. the injuries are not his fault. And that was a huge detriment to to his career. But he signed with Jacksonville. And if you go out and play now, if you go into a Jacksonville practice or a mini camp or whatever, and you perform well, you have a shot. It's not like Jacksonville is overflowing with talent. Right. So there's an opportunity. He's a guy that can make it for sure. Pete, I agree with the testing numbers aren't don't make Kevin Austin one of a hundred, but I think the whole package might testing plus injuries plus didn't show out at all against Cincinnati, which is the best guy he faced. Um, I thought his production was fine for, uh, 
what was a not great Notre Dame offense last year. It wasn't consistently good, obviously. I mean, if you think about it, Kevin Austin made very important plays, touchdowns or big catches in close games versus Florida State, Toledo, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Uh, Virginia Tech, and North Carolina. The other games in November don't matter. He played well in a couple. He no-showed completely against Purdue, and that's all on him. He no-showed completely against Cincinnati, and that's all on the guys that are going to be guarding him in the NFL. (laughs) (laughs) So as Pete has brought up, that might be the biggest thing. He went up against an NFL guy and got stuffed in a trash can. I when you say a hundred receivers, I know you're exaggerating. I'm exaggerating. I, okay, he was he was among, the, you can he was among the top thirty receivers. But had he come back, right? Oh yeah, and yeah. and put and put together I mean, a hundred guys in year. the NFL though, Tim. I never meant in the same class. I'm saying okay. there's a hundred and fifty receivers in the NFL. Okay, yeah, I was pretty darn good. You yeah. know, that's no, no doubt, yeah. no doubt. Well, he'll get an opportunity with Jacksonville and the other good Jack Cohn quarterback signed with Indianapolis. Myron Tagovailoa also signed with. The Vegas Raiders, Kurt Heinisch getting an opportunity with the Texans, I believe, correct? And I saw Isaiah Isaiah Pryor signed a uh, a free agent contract with, with yeah. New Orleans. Or New is Orleans, it the other sorry. way around? Yeah, New Orleans. Yeah, New Orleans. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think Cone walks in. Somebody had a question about it. I, I mean, I don't think, I think Cone walks into a pretty decent situation to make the roster with Indianapolis. I would think that, you know, as – if his upside is back up for a while, then being undrafted is not that big of a deal. Um, yeah. I, I thought he would be sort of a sixth, seventh round. I mean, maybe it was between him and Brock Purdy for Mr. Irrelevant. I don't know. But um, it, uh, two, it, it just, I keep going back to like they had two draft picks and the 2008 recruiting class has had one draft pick that was supposedly a top 10 class. That is, it's just bizarre to me when you look at Notre Dame's draft production this year and that recruiting class, the fact that they've won as many games as they have. 2018 class you're referring to, correct? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The uh, couple of guys staying, um, but they're like Foskey was supposed to stay. He wasn't a graduate. So I think your point still remains. A couple of guys could have bumped it up and given him a couple more draft picks, but you're right. That's that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, there, Fos- I mean, but still, Foskey's in a different class. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that's true. Like he's, he's he's not two separate to things. Like yeah, um, I mean, you'll end up with Jason Adam Malola and Jared Patterson probably getting drafted, but like, that's still pretty shocking to me, considering how good that class looked on signing yeah, and day. And Dracovic will get drafted; it just doesn't yeah. help Notre Dame. Yeah, nope. Um, I do want to. I want to finish this segment with. Um, well. You had said a couple of weeks ago it'll be a red flag if Dante Moore goes to Oregon. He went there this weekend. Yeah. Um, and then Oregon offered Avery Johnson shortly after that. I believe that that's the word out there, which is interesting. I'm not sure how to read that exactly, but just your read on Dante Moore's trip to Oregon. I don't know if you have any recent intel on that or I don't. I mean, the I would just my red flag comment stands. No, I get I would, it. I mean I just leave I it at it. that. I think I has anybody been to Eugene, Oregon before? <laughs> I have not. I have You're not. an expert in the uh I'm an expert on Eugene, Oregon. My oldest brother has lived there for 40 years. That's where all the hippies moved and and that's what and that's what he is. Uh was is is. Um 
and it's it's some of the most beautiful land I've ever seen because you drive an hour west and you're at the ocean and you drive an hour east and you're in the mountains. It's amazing. Um, and you know, especially with NIL now, the opportunities there, it's amazing, but Eugene, Oregon, it's not something, it's not a, it's not a destination place for the top football, high school football players in the country. Um, it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but it's, uh, you know, it's a different place. It's a different world out there. And so I don't know, you know, I don't know if, uh, I, I, I doubt, I doubt that Eugene and, and Springfield, it's adjoining city, which is comparable to the South Bend, Mishawaka is enough to, to sway Dante Moore. But I'm, I'm sure that, that Oregon, the university had some things to offer, um, that might sway him. Yeah, they, they have a, that's one of the big money collectives out there. Um, you know, whether it's A&M, now Florida's in it, Texas, Tennessee, Oregon. Um, those are the schools. If you're recruiting against them, um, you got to look out. Um, you got to figure out a way USC? to counter that. Did you mention USC, USC? I feel like is kind of a mix. Um, I've, I've heard mixed things on USC. Like they want to be involved in it, but don't. Um, but those other, like... The other ones are unabashedly all in on it. And when you're recruiting against them, that's, that's just, that is difficult. Yep. That's a difficult counter punch to throw. Yeah. And it's really difficult for Notre Dame. Again, this is a question in the second segment. I don't want to walk on some of the questions, but it's difficult for Notre Dame. And Marcus Freeman is trying to sell. Look, Notre Dame people are great at selling Notre Dame. They've done it for years. You know, the four for 40, Lou Holtz and all that. I think Marcus Freeman's taking it to a different level. Uh, I don't want to get too deep into that in segment one right now, but I think he's taking it to a different level and he has to because Notre Dame is not, Notre Dame has, there are, there are a lot of things going on with NIL. We're having some difficulty trying to nail down exactly what they have to offer because it's kind of between Notre Dame and the recruit when it comes to NIL, as far as like publicizing it and, and things along those lines. So uh, but we'll get in, we'll get in more of, of that in segment two with one of the questions, but anything else you guys want to um, anything from the draft uh, that you want to throw out there? I would have a question about the draft in second. I want as well. to preemptively shoot down any Notre Dame fans who are like, uh, Georgia won a national championship with a walk-on quarterback. You don't need a five-star quarterback to do it. Uh, Georgia also set the draft record with 15 draft with picks. And I think do they have five first round picks. On, on their defense, defense on defense. Yeah. Yes. So if I'm all for it, like if Notre Dame can have five first round picks on defense, imagine a Notre Dame defense with five Kyle Hamiltons. Just, well, just imagine that. Okay. Had, that's what, that's what Georgia had. Yeah. They did have two though. When, when they had Usu Koromoa, I remember thinking last year going into the year, like, could they win a playoff game? I was like, you know, that was defense is just going to be better. That had to be, but that talent on both sides of the line of scrimmage just makes you that much more difficult to stop. Uh, there were other, obviously. Yeah. Alabama also, quite a team. Um, Ohio State's receiver room at one point had three consecutive picks on the draft. Yes. <laughs> Jameson Williams going to uh, Alabama, of course. Yeah, that's not bad. It's hard to pull. It's hard to pull wide receiver recruit away from, from Ohio State. No doubt about that. Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics. Burning up the boards, segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider. We start with a question from Kay Beasley. Was Kevin Austin not being drafted more a lack of his production or a lack of coaching, such as his inability to break press or route running? I mean, wouldn't production and breaking press be sort of the same thing? Like, if you can't break press, you're not going to produce a whole lot. I think it goes back to our recruiting mantra, both. In this case, it's everything. There's a million. There's a lot of things to look at with Kevin Austin when you're trying to check off boxes. He wasn't consistently productive. He had one year of production because of injury. He had an injury that recurred that is known to recur. Um, He's had surgery since, but it's not the first time. That would never be the first time somebody had a third injury from from that break. Um, (laughs) At least four suspensions, um, probably less important to the NFL, although one of them I'm sure is more important than the other three. Terrible game against the best player he faced. And I'm talking, you know, just he didn't exist. I mean, it was Devaris Daniels versus Darkeese Denard level um, without a flag being thrown. Uh, and I guess if I were to nitpick, then you go back to Purdue. That was a inconsistency. He played well in some games, too. I, I mean, I thought he showed a lot of promise. It goes back to Priester's point that he would have been a great fifth-year senior at Notre Dame. There just aren't many fifth-year senior wide receivers at Notre Dame, right? You couldn't count them on one hand that have been any good. Be that as it may, he could have been one. I mean, regardless of no, the I, history. I, I mean, of, like Ian, Ian Book, there are many good fifth-year uh, fifth quarterbacks. Ian Book was yeah. a fifth-year quarterback. Yeah. He got drafted in the fourth yeah. round. I, well, you, I, go, no, go I was ahead. just going to say, I think that uh, while it, it's, you know, hindsight is easy to say it was a mistake, like I totally understand if if he knows his measurables, which he does, yeah. those measurables, I think, made sense to leave. Um, and I mean, even look at somebody like Ecumenia St. Brown, he's been in the league, I think, what, for four, four years now. He left after a bad 17 season. Yeah. yeah. So he's cleared $2.5 million <laughs> as a six round pick, barely playing. Like I get it. Um, you know, the, oh, we all, Kevin we Austin all at a minimum should have been a six round pick, you yeah, know? And I, so I, I get it. Adds it. Up to that. And he graduated. Why, all right. So why wasn't he? Why, why didn't we all, all those the, things I all listed the things? Yeah. All those things I listed, I think. Oh, okay. So he, I mean, he probably didn't think all those things would be as important as his measurables is my only guess, you know? Yeah. Right. Which I think and, is again, a, a logical conclusion for him to have come to. Now, and, I, and, in I the NFL. and again, I admit to using hindsight in as, as I did in seg- first segment talking about, him. and I also don't think that Dell Alexander is a very good wide receiver coach. I right, imagine that right. Kay Beasley is, kind of hinting toward that, whether you are or not. I mean, I you know, Dell Alexander, he did develop a couple of receivers. He brought out the best in Chase Claypool, which was not 
easy. I mean, a lot, I can tell you that there are Notre Dame coaches that didn't think Chase Claypool was going to make it through Notre Dame, but he did and he thrived and he's still in the NFL. And, and he was back a couple of Saturdays ago for the blue goal game. It, it was all good, but I, you know, I think I frequently fall back on the, on the phrase self-awareness. I don't think that Kevin Austin had a whole lot of self-awareness. Um, you know, you multiple suspensions, the injuries were huge. And he made a decision that, uh, you know, again, though, he signed with Jacksonville. So the opportunity is there. I mean, at one, one moment, you're disappointed. You didn't get drafted. The next moment you have a team, you have a team that, that said, Hey, we, we will pay you to come in and see if you can prove yourself. And if his, if his measurables, uh, you know, if he can live up to what he did in the combine, then he has an opportunity to do it, but I'm not going to put all on Dell Alexander because you have to take responsibility for your own career and Kevin Austin has made enough mistakes um, to the point where pointing fingers at somebody else. I'm not saying that he is, uh, but pointing fingers at yeah, somebody he's not, else. He's not take, pointing fingers. No, I'm not saying that he is, but you have to take you have to take possession of your own career, and it is where it is today. Next from Utah Domer, your way too early predictions of the Notre Dame players selected in the 2023 draft and which day they are selected. I'm going <laughs> to bow out of the which day they're selected one yeah i mean i talk about the rest of it i mean i think mayor is probably a first round draft yes mayor first round pick and and i think i think foskey has a chance to be that but it's so early we don't know all the defensive ends that are going to emerge and that can affect his draft but i think he can be a a first or second round draft choice is will Jarrett patterson be the best center in the country in 2022 if he is, I mean, I think without the injury, we'd all say, I think Jared Patterson will probably be the best center in the country. So that's what it comes down. Right. To but me. he wouldn't be here without the injury. So no, no, the second injury, the torn pack. The pack. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Um, yeah, true. You just never know how centers are going to be drafted. Though. That's true. That's true. I mean, the kid from Iowa is a freak. And, and so he went in the first round, but generally speaking, don't get a lot of centers drafted in the first round, but Jared Patterson has a chance and not, you know, come back strong a nice clean injury free 2022 season. How about Jason Adam Alola? I mean, draft pick draft. Yeah. Pick. I, well, yeah. definitely. I don't know that he has the size that they're looking for, but man, quickness and playmaking ability. I love him. You'll see when we start our countdown or when our countdown ends uh, at the end of the summer, you'll see Jason Adam Alola very high on our list. I think the best time to analyze when guys are going to be drafted or to realize what first round pick means versus what, you know, we always say Isaiah Foskey, first round pick, Jarrett Patterson, first round pick. Uh, this guy blows up first round pick. Just look at the second round right now. How many great football players are in the yeah. second round? It's, it's, I know everybody wants it. I know guys have Isaiah Foskey has the talent to be a first round pick. He could have a great year next year and be a second round pick. Yes. Yeah, Mayor, Mayor first-round pick, Foskey yeah. second-round pick, and I think everybody else will be kind of a day three. I'm not – I like Jared Patterson as a college player, but I think athletically um, and the injuries, that – That won't help. That's no going to knock him – you know, then you're getting into probably fourth, fifth round, which I think yeah. is fine for a summer. So then there's there's Leofau. If he were to decide to go out after a great year, he seems like a fifth-year guy, right, just from not playing enough football. Um, you would think unless he yeah. really has a tremendous year yes. and blows up. Yes. Yep. Uh, there is Cam Hart in the same boat. You would think he'd be a fifth year guy with, especially with the shoulder um, shoulders, shoulders. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you certainly don't think Tyree would leave early. 
Brand, Brandon Joseph. Brandon Joseph. Could be a guy, though. Right. He's well, he'll be a graduating senior. And yeah, just it's kind of hard to get a read on like what his season could could be spectacular. Graduating or it could just be good. Right. Right. Or it could I mean, be well, okay. That's why we have a year. We have a but year. I think all, I think all, th- I think all things being equal is he sits here today. He's thinking, I'm going to have a great 2022 and I'm going pro. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's fair. Um, and then Justin Adamiola could have a really good year and he'd be a later draft pick, or he could come back for a sixth year. I don't oh, wow. think he would do that because yeah, I, don't I don't think, think he's so. on that part. I don't think he would do that. But um, yeah. And then Riley Mills wouldn't be going pro early. Uh, no. like his career arc has we'll been a hell of a junior year. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how Avery Davis uh, bounces back from the. The ACL, but if he if he can have a big year, um, you know, hooking up with with Tyler Butner or whoever, um, he can be. I could see Justin Adamalola spending a few years in the NFL, oh, maybe for, not along the lines of Isaac of, Rochelle, Isaac Rochelle, or anything. Rochelle, like that. Guy, oh, but, we may be back here next year on my Justin yeah. Adamalola pick, depending on where he right? goes. Right, you see so, it yeah. the same way. Great, great pick on Isaac Rochelle. He once again signed another contract. So yes, he did. It's, uh, that Bo Bauer. <laughs> Bo Bauer is a guy that I would think would be attractive to certainly get in a camp. At the you very know, well, that's least. different though, right? I think there's plenty of free agents that it could come out of that too. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Because Bo Bauer, it's a really interesting year for that position. Like, I know two guys are going to play. You could, if Tui Halamaka keeps showing well, he might be pushing for some snaps during the game, the way yeah. his physicality is out there. I went up, not, you don't want to base it off of what we just saw in that game, but he's a he's a different cat that with the way he hits, right? I mean, that guy, he could be a better linebacker in 2023 than either Bauer or Bertrand are this year. For an early entry freshman to have the physicality yeah. and the strength that he seems to display, it's really really impressive yeah there's no doubt about that i think we're probably at the end though of that right at this list like yeah we may be missing somebody we'll, yep. but we will move on here to dutter 25 and that is with the nfl draft now over what surprised you the most is it is it a surprise that nardame had so few players drafted that would surprise me the most because i never would have taken under 2.5 and i probably wouldn't have taken under 3.5 i just would have tried to shove it to four if that makes sense you know like yeah i wouldn't I would have, have bet a lot of money bet. on four but i would have bet a lot of money on three that's, I, yeah, I, that's, it goes back to what i said in the first segment like it's a surprise they had two and it's a surprise the 2018 class has had one draft pick and it's really surprising that they've won as many games as they have once you factor that all together I'm surprised by the overwhelming um, appreciation and congratulations towards the New York Jets and the New York Giants in the draft. (laughs) Because they never get that? (laughs) Right. No, I mean, I think they did a fantastic job. Okay, good. I was going to say, that's pretty No, I think they did a tremendous job. (laughs) But, you know, I didn't go into thinking, wow, everybody's going to be praising the Jets and the Giants for their their draft choice because, uh, you know, it's a tough crowd. But they did a really good job. And, I mean, think about what Baltimore did in the first round. That's that's impressive. Uh, Cole Strange was surprising to me. uh, And mostly just so you can watch Sean McVay's reaction to it if you have not seen it on Twitter. Did you hear his uh, his, uh, response to that? Yeah, and I mean, no, knowing full well, yeah, he was. Oh, yeah, he was asked about. It. He said it was taken out of context. Uh, in oh, that, uh, uh. 
Yeah, no, in that he was trying to tease the guy that was with him. His name escapes me, the scout that was with him. He was trying to tease that scout for making him watch tape for a fourth round draft pick that clearly wasn't going to last till the fourth oh, round. God. I was like, oh my gosh, how did you come up with this one? That's incredible. That was Where a great organic reaction. The, the scout had him like at a hundred and the hundred. Yeah, so he said he was teasing the scout for being so far off. I don't think that's what was really going on but when you win yeah. the super bowl instead of lose it you can make those jokes i think that yeah. was at least even if you're of... making fun of bill belichick who <laughs> yeah. took your lunch money the last time you were there <laughs> people forgot that there's yes uh, not that long ago kj millatime with what you saw from the linebackers in the spring do you envision any underclassmen taking starting duties from bauer bertrand or kaiser Okay, oh. underclassmen linebackers. Well, Liam Fowles a starter, so let's right. throw that up. So, there. underclassmen linebackers. Jalen Sneed, no. Prince Colley will play. Not over Liam Fowles. But no. No. Joshua Burnham, who's now a Viper, but even if he moves back to linebacker, no. Nolan Ziegler, no. Tui Alamaka, no. Not no. Not a no. Yeah. You know, no. I mean, Notre Dame has a veteran linebacker core. J.D. Bertrand, I think, probably loses his starting job to Bauer, but Kaiser is, I mean, I think you're going to find in the countdown that my pick of Kaiser is higher than everybody else. And I realize that he comes off the field in nickel situations, but he's a damn good college football player. None of those guys are going to lose a starting job. Leofile certainly isn't. And I, the only, the only guy that Bauer loses a starting job to is Bertrand. And he's obviously, obviously not a young player. I would just say, I think, my understanding is that they are figuring out a way that Kaiser won't come off the field. Yeah. And I, I think it's important to, to, since he came up here and we don't act preachy, our website and other people lump Kaiser in the wrong spot. Like people think they're looking to replace Jack Kaiser at Rover and all three of us and any other site you listen to is here to tell you Jack Kaiser is a 100% guaranteed starter this year with nobody challenging him for that spot. That's the information. Take it for what you will. But as Pete said, like, you know how he could not come off the field? He could move over to the inside in the, in the nickel role. He could take things from other people. Jack well, Kaiser is, is yeah, not because you want time with his backup. No, you want there, – there are certainly situations where you want to take advantage of what Jordan Batella can do. But Jordan sure, Batella has sure. to become a consistent football player. That's an interesting thing that you just said, Tim, moving Kaiser inside on third down. Pete, I don't know if that's exactly what you're – suggesting but it's hard to take jack kaiser off the field he's too damn smart to take him off the field and he, I he think knows that, what the, i i understand like all right he's a white linebacker from indiana so like we're talking about how <laughs> like a school in Indiana. yeah it's like oh guys really coachable and like fundamentally sound and a real gym rat um a coach on the field Notre Dame is did that like all a little cliches, yeah? I, th- I think that's all i'm sure there are some others, okay but Notre Dame did a combine sort of things some testing before like sort of the end of the spring session jack kaiser in the 10 yard shuttle 10 yard the shuttle the three cone the 60 yard shuttle he ranked first 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 and first among the linebackers so i think we're sort of like missing the boat on like overplaying how smart he is and he is smart don't get me wrong but he is a much much better athlete yeah, than people I, give him credit. I, I realize what I said indicated that, and that, and and that's not an accurate portrayal of how I interpret him. But full disclosure, because I like I want to be the sports writer admits that he's wrong more than yeah. any other sports writer. I was wrong about him 
coming out of high school because I just thought a one a linebacker. There isn't somebody from Indiana. There I believe there's some ex Notre Dame coaches that were wrong about him too. Right. Well, maybe then I, I, I was as well, but Clark Lee knew that he was a good yeah, football not that player. One, not that guy. Uh, Jack Kaiser should go back to the previous question. Uh, I believe he'll be a fifth year player. That's why we would not consider. I don't think Jack Kaiser will go pro before his fifth year is up in terms of getting drafted. I agree. Like he could come back and be a fifth year standout yeah. in Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, I do want to throw out there again that this is not an official prediction, but in August, I want to watch Tui Halamaka and see if he's taken 10 snaps from Bertrand and Bauer combined. Well, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not too, I'm not ruling out Tui Halamaka beating out Bertrand, although I hate to do that to Bertrand at this point because. Yeah, I kind of I mean, like Bertrand a warrior in a like, role too. Like, I think Bertrand's better playing 25 snaps than he was ever playing 65 snaps. So no I think doubt. he'd look good and playing he needs, 25. And he needs to be a Mike, not a not yeah. a Will. You you have to, he has to play in confined space to maximize his abilities. Uh, Smuff three, using only Irish assistance from 2000 until now, who would make up your all-star coaching staff? And I've already written down Greg Hudson and Molnar and Quinn. So you guys can fill in the rest <laughs> at that point. All right. I'm, I'm just going, I'm going to throw out one name to start. And that is because two, it, it, it wasn't after 2000 from, from 2000 until now, Urban Meyer was the receivers coach in Notre Dame in 2000. He is my offensive coordinator and receivers coach on this team. <laughs> he can't be your offensive coordinator because oh. he didn't serve as offense. Okay. Well, he's my wide receivers coach. And he's going to help with special teams. Cause I've seen him coach special teams too. And that's, he's my guy. He's pretty good on kick coverage. I yes, guess. Yes. Pete thoughts on Urban Meyer and the conflict we might have. Uh, he's fine i'd take him um i don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't have, I thought you'd pull the trigger on that one yeah the, yeah it's a, the morals clause but um yeah i wasn't he just i guess he's just sort of under the wire there right um yep. if it's yeah, since sure. 2000 uh harry he stands offensive line right that like yes. let, let's start with like automatic choices harry he stand would be one of those sure uh yeah i, I go harry he stand automatic to me, Tony Alford would be automatic. I agree with you. I agree with that. You got to recruit, um, right? That's all part they, of this. Yeah. yeah. Beyond well, that, yeah, that's true. It's like El- you'd have a hard time not putting Elston on there. I'm not sure he's as automatic as those other ones, but so I was here for 11 for, years. Yeah. Well, that's years. the thing. Are you, are you going by what he did at Notre Dame? Because then Elston's automatic. Are you going by who you would want as your def- ultimate defensive? I mean, Greg Madison is a Greg, fine coach. That's right? my pick. Greg Madison could be the pick um i mean technically randy hart's a heck of a defensive line coach i wouldn't yeah. mind having him back oh god um, he was such a great personality wasn't yeah, he great yeah. he, was he was just so unique so he was a failure at notre dame but there is a head coach in the nfl that could coach your quarterbacks that's who my quarter matt lafleur is my quarterbacks yeah. coach yeah that's the so you're not just going by what they did at notre dame which means greg madison is my defensive line coach okay um o'malley you would you would pick bob elliott right uh, let's see. Elko and Bob Elliott are great. I mean, Elko's recruiting and well, I don't want Elko to leave me after all these guys are going to leave me after a year. So I'll take Bob Elliott. You're right. I like, you know, I mean, I thought Bill Lewis was a yeah. hell of a coach too. I, you know, I, I Denbrock coached the tight ends. I, you know, Denbrock coached a couple different spots. Well, Chuck, nobody coached more places and or more positions than Chuck Martin. 
Yeah, Dan Mullen was a grad <laughs> assistant that used to coach tight ends. Could he do that? I could add another recruiter to my staff. <laughs> I'm going all in here, man. We are going to go on probation. You're filling out. The, you're filling out the support staff as well. Yes. We're having all time GA. Okay. All right. So I I rule that you can't choose Urban Meyer as offensive coordinator because he was an offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. So who is your offensive coordinator and who is your defensive coordinator? And I'm ruling against David Cutcliffe because he didn't coach a game at Notre Dame either. Chip Long is my OC because Matt LaFleur is my quarterback's coach. So I need my OC to be a not quarterback's coach. Tight end. Uh, your tight end duties. Yeah. Defensively, I will, I'm going to go with Clark Lee. And who's, who's coaching corners on this team? I'm not sure who the corners coach is. I know who's not. Kerry Cooks? I guess. Oh, man. Did Steve Wilkes no, I mean, coach I'd, I'd corners? Like, he was an NFL head coach for a minute. He was. Steven Wilkes. He yeah. was there. He was at Notre Dame for a minute. I can't remember if he coached safeties or I don't know if corners. it was safeties or corners or if it was all of it. There can only be one special teams coordinator, right? Scott, Scott Mace. I'm going Scott Mace. Scott. I'm going Mace, sight unseen right now. You're going Mason, Mason. Uh, yeah. again. I have Urban Meyer. On why my do staff. I have to? Why do I have to keep ruling against you, O'Malley? He's Urban, not coached a game yet. Urban Meyer's on my staff. I could put anybody as yeah. special teams coach right now. There it is. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Who do we forget? <laughs> hey, I'll put. I'm going to put Marcus Freeman as special teams coach. It's fine. There's no he. He, he, he loves. I would choose, O'Malley. Would Would you choose Clark Lee as defensive coordinator? Because I would. Yeah, but well. his his three years were better than Freeman's one year, and better than Diaco's body of work, and better than Elko's one year. Um, it would have to be Clark Lee, and I would not choose Kent Bear over that. Uh, Diaco, Kent Bear was Clark Lee. You've heard me talk about Kent Bear before. I mean, I technically, thought... I, technically, I would choose Freeman as my def, as my off my defensive coordinator because of his recruiting ability. Um, if you've seen my team, you see who I'm going to have on this team by the end of the recruiting cycle. Uh, that's a good over. point. When you throw yeah. that in, when you throw that in, uh, who's your head coach? Just to make everybody mad that listens right now. There's no <laughs> kind of only one option there. <laughs> it it has to be Brian Kelly along with the uh with the statue that <laughs> I just wanted I believe, I, all right. That the all time you advocated for the statue <laughs> on a podcast in I December. Think- he he quickly backed off when I gave okay, him the look right. of I gave him the look well, of curiosity. <laughs> I mean, I I yeah, I advocated before he left. I realized that that would be I, I mean, can it's you imagine how that now. would be received? But he's the winningest coach in Notre Dame history. Is it impossible now because of the yes. way he left Notre yes. Dame? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I also, he didn't win a national championship. So right. if I he think, won a national title and left Notre Dame like that, he would get a statue. I, I'm going to say that when I'm dead and buried, that no way down the no. road, they will. Nope. Nope. I do not think so at all. Well, Zero chance. See, See, I'm I'm going to be dead and buried, so I won't be able around <laughs> yeah, to, to validate lose, it or right? not. But anyway, I understand the, the the repercussions of making a decision like that, so I'm backing away from it. All right, moving on. <laughs> uh, uh, where are we? Irish from A2 with the transfer portal now closed. What are Notre Dame's options at wide receiver? Uh, is it the Arizona State wide receiver whose name is Pearsall or Bust? We don't know who else they're in on. I yeah, I mean, I, I when, it can't when we be or get, bust though. It can't be. I, or no, bust. it can't. It can't be. But when we hear specific names, we will tell you. And I don't have any right now. Harrison Wellman, what did he do? He went to Duke. 
well, they get to play a lot. He would have played a lot. He would have played a lot here, but the the only thing about Wellman that's not a like a major loss is like that's the position they have, right? Slot. I know he's a true. He's no, it's true. A, a it's true. But I, I think you can play him outside. I, okay. you know, he's he's not five nine. He's he's a legit six yeah. foot. So I think you can play him at at the old X, which is now the Z. We're gonna have to have a whole podcast dedicated to that change. Today. Yeah, I th- it's just you're gonna have to. You just have to be in the portal. By I think it's forty eight hours after May first for processing. So like yeah, your Jordan Madison your, story, your team. yeah, yeah, um, that you're you're just you're you don't have to be out of the portal by now. Picking a new school, you could you know this can go on forever and ever. So oh. it, you know you could add a guy in June, you could add a guy in July, um, and, and there are and many ways to keep too. looking. Yeah. So I looked it up because I was really thrown off by the grad transfer situation because a couple of players obviously entered the portal last July and played. So the, the, the rule does apply to graduate transfers. You have to be in now, except there's exceptions all over the place. Like Kentucky quarterback, Joey Gatewood entered the portal on August and played for UCF in September 11th. There's, there was like five or six exceptions. Ole Miss offensive tackle, Jordan Rhodes entered on August 13th, transferred to Ole Miss and played in their season opener. So all you got to do is have a reason to leave. And as you know, now, you can make up a lot of reasons to leave. <laughs> you can. I just want to remind everybody that, you know, and we've said this many times, Nick McLeod signed in May. I don't think too many people were really that well aware outside of NC State who Nick McLeod was. And when we watched his tape, it was like, well, he'll start immediately. <laughs> yes, And, you know, I don't know that, you know, how many people were aware of Ben Skoranek, although he caught over 100 passes, uh, more than 100 passes at Northwestern, and he was productive. So, they have to get somebody. They will get somebody. I don't know those names right now. Um, Did we say it on this podcast that a Caleb Evans was the, the Tulsa target that went to Missouri was a uh, fourth round pick over the weekend. Um, I think we just talked about it off the yeah. air, but that's, that's a thing. He was really good. That I, that was a, that was a blow when they didn't get him. Yeah. it was an odd one too. Fourth rounder. Well, good for him. He, he, maximize that that situation mac 341 what are your thoughts on wide receiver recruiting since chauncey stuckey arrived and why are we gaining so much traction with recruits compared to past years <laughs> that's not pointed at the previous coach yeah, at all. Again, this, this again, is where you could get into the uh, dell alexander part probably yeah well um i mean there were i can remember the outrage when it sounded like chancy stuckey was going to be the guy that tommy reese won as his receivers coach um and he's a very charismatic personality that's making some inroads. I don't think, I don't think Notre Dame's going to get Carnell Tate, um, but they have gotten Jalen or uh, Braylon James. They're in good situation with Rodney Gallagher and Jaden Greathouse. Um, he's a really he's a very charismatic guy. But I, I but it gets back to I refer to this in in segment one. Marcus Freeman is trying to get recruits to fall in love, recruits and their parents to fall in love with Notre Dame. Now they have an NL plan uh, that again, I think is mainly for behind closed doors and that they share with, with recruits. But the way that, I mean, Marcus Freeman is at the forefront of this and Tyler Butner's a young quarterback and there's, you know, confidence in the Notre Dame camp that Dante Moore will end up at Notre Dame. So 
I mean, you start adding all those things up and, and um, you can play next year. What do you mean? Yes. Yeah, you can play next year. That's another yeah. one immediately. Yeah. Hell, you can play now if you can. <laughs> if you want to reach, you can somehow work your way into. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, they, you know, I think there's a lot of things going for, but I think at the forefront of it is just Marcus Freeman's ability to attract recruits, including wide receivers. I think having a head coach have your back as your receivers coach is is a big deal. Um, I think Dell Alexander would have been a better. I think. I think I may have said this on this podcast, but like, I think every coach on last year's staff would have been a better recruiter this cycle because Marcus Freeman was the head coach because he prioritizes recruiting. He gets involved in recruiting, uh, you know, with somebody like Jaden Greathouse, if you're hearing from Marcus Freeman every week or every other week, that makes an impression because um, other head coaches are not doing that. He just works harder at the day-to-day parts of recruiting, not just harder than Brian Kelly did, but harder than almost every other coach in the country does. So that makes a huge difference. And for receivers, Chancey Stuckey is the beneficiary of that. I think he's also a dynamic personality, so it helps too. And I'd like to go back to my all-time Notre Dame coaching staff since 2000 and point out why Marcus Freeman is on my staff. Yeah, well, that's you just a good said, point. Man. You worked harder than I everybody else. You know, over the weekend, I'm going to go off in a tangent. I'll, I'll come back real quickly. But over the weekend, they celebrated the 20-year anniversary of the Notre Dame baseball team that went to the, the College World Series. And I was talking to some Notre Dame people, and uh, inevitably it got away from baseball and went to football. And it, and, and it is somebody that is familiar with the, the day-to-day of Marcus Freeman's life. And it this person couldn't emphasize enough just how everything – at some point in the day with Marcus Freeman turns back to recruiting. It's amazing. It, no, I mean, I it is, it is, it is the most, it, it is absolutely nonstop with Marcus Freeman when it comes to recruiting. Tim, we were sitting after the first coaches meeting in had to be February when we met all the coaches and Al Washington was having a good time talking to about six of us left over. He was holding court, great stories. Everybody's having fun. And Marcus Freeman was waiting for him and being polite and talking to us and he's literally like, I know you can talk all day, Wash, but you have recruits to call. And he was not joking. <laughs> it was a very obvious thing that wasn't his line to us. He was like, no, you're, let's go. This is time to go. And I just thought, I mean, it was an endearing moment. Obviously, it was, it was pretty funny, too. And it, it, it was well-received. But I think he was only 5% kidding. I think he was like, all right, let's go. <laughs> we got we to gotta talk to coaches, man. We got to talk to recruits, man. Yeah. And, I, and, and for, for Notre Dame fans to hear that, Yes. After yeah. the reality unfolded over the previous 12 years by a very good college football coach, head coach, who just did not like the whole recruiting process at all. It's only, if only someone on this podcast wrote a story about that and gotten a lot of hot water last <sighs> summer, then it proved true. Question from Athletics Mercado. Kudos to you, O'Malley. Question from Athletics Mercado. <laughs> Who do you see benefiting the most from Logan Diggs' injury? Chris Tyree, Audric Estime, Jadarian Price, or Jabron Payne? Hmm. I don't, I'm not really sure how to answer that one. Because it's yeah. like, they all, Ty, Tyree really doesn't benefit at all. Um, Maybe hurt by it a little bit. <laughs> Price does. Sure. Estime does. But Payne does too. So I'm, I, don't, I don't really know who. Because like, what's most? Price, is, Price maybe is RB2 behind Tyree. So that right. helps, but Payne may have gone from zero carries to 
yeah a potentially significant role it's pain for me and i would redo my list i sent tim i had i had pain as the fifth back which means you probably don't play enough for me to push you up on the list with Diggs's injury being potentially serious pain benefits the most because he'll he will he would go from not playing to playing in my mind i think with tyree Diggs' estimate price all healthy one obviously gets hurt during the year you barely need your fifth guy right yes Mm -hmm. now you need your now you need pain at some point um and i guess it's price pete because estimate is a different player than the rest and he had a role no matter what right i i definitely think it's price okay because because he's the guy I mean, let, let's let's set pain aside here for a second. I mean, the four guys that were here in the spring. And, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how long. This is – it's a huge blow to Logan Diggs. I mean, because – and it's like Jarrett Patterson. I mean, you can say, oh, well, he'll be ready for – but it's right, all right. that healthy training time that you miss where you, where you actually make improvement, whereas now the next several months are just trying to – I mean, you're battling just to get back to where you were. So I think it's price because I think price is the closest style to digs, even though they're, they are different. Uh, and, and I, you know, I don't, I, Chris Tyree's not a guy that's going to get 18 carries. I think J- Jadarian price could. No, I think digs helps Tyree. Like digs having four guys, three guys in support of Tyree was great. For I think Tyree. it, I think it helps with touches, but I don't necessarily think that it helps with carries with straight hand. I don't think it helps with production. I mean, like just getting dinged. Chris Tyree has a bigger chance to get dinged without Logan Diggs. Oh, I see what you're Running 120 times, touching 120 balls. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. (laughs) It's a a very unfortunate, very unfortunate injury for a player. Yeah, it's, I mean, you think you come out of the blue goal game without anything significant, and that's, that's really significant. The only silver lining here is it's a damn good running back room. Yeah. And, and you've got you've got people that you you feel pretty confident, even though you know, even though estimate price and pain are very young. Well, think about this: it's a damn good running back room, and you lost Kyron Williams, and right now Logan Diggs for a while. Right. <laughs> it's still a really right. good running back room. That's a right. that's a big hit for Price. Yeah, uh, Grumpy Leprechaun NIL is hardly talked about here, but there is a common misconception that Notre Dame is not active in NIL. How can this be true when Notre Dame is in on so many top kids and still sitting at number one? Pete, you go first because I've kind of jumped I mean, all feel, over this topic it is talked about everywhere um and notre dame is active in nil they're not active in the way that tennessee is active in nil or miami is active in nil and uh, we could have a discussion about whether that's nil at all um you know it's a it little bit is. more pay a little more pay for play i think that we sort of do a disservice by calling everything nil um but how is it that notre dame is not on so many kids not every kid cares about NIL um, the same. You know, it, it's something on the list of, you know, you're recruiting. Like, some people care about academics. Some people care about the chance to go pro. Some people care about the profile. Um, you know, for some kids, going to a small Catholic school in Northern Indiana is a positive. For some, it's a deal breaker. So, you know, it's. I think you're know, talking to people around Notre Dame. I'll leave the kid's name out here for obvious reasons, but, like, he visited Notre Dame had this big NIL package to present and the kid was like, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't want to talk about that. Like, I'm not, I'm not interested in that. And Notre Dame was like, Oh, all right, moving on then. And at that point, nothing, Notre, forget it. <laughs> yeah. At that point, Notre Dame was like, well, we feel like we're in a better spot here because kids who have NIL 
highest on the list are going to be less likely to look at Notre Dame. So also I would say at the end of the year, Notre Dame probably won't be sitting at number one. And I have no idea how NIL is going to look or pay for play is going to look six months from now. I don't think anybody does. Um, So that is, everything feels a bit tenuous. I think that's, it's worth just keeping that in mind. I think if you add up all the ways that NIL helped Kyle Hamilton, notably inside the garage, Mm -hmm. which, (laughs) I mean, I heard some numbers as to what they made from that, all four guys. Um, It's really significant. It's really significant. So again, Notre Dame is not out there saying, come to Notre Dame. We're going to, you can, you know, our NIL program will give you this, 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 and this. They have those conversations with the recruits, as you're alluding to, Pete. Um, and and so, I mean, it's it's substantial. It, it it is substantial. And again, I go back to Marcus Freeman selling more than NIL. And in some instances, as you refer to, uh, that's not the highest priority for every recruit. The salty jazz fourteen has a question that's uh, that assuming <laughs> assuming decent health the 2022 defensive line will be a truly dominant with a max of high NFL draft picks and good college players a top 5 D-line unit nationally b very good similar to recent seasons a top 20 unit nationally or c overhyped and somewhat disappointing these are pretty extreme this, the third yeah. one's extreme I, I, I would expect nothing less that. from the salty jazz for yes the salty jazz 14 really hit it hard with c but i don't think that's an accurate depiction of Notre Dame's defensive line so is it a or b b for me it's between a and b i'm putting it's like my urban meyer being on my team as my head coach and everything like that it's between a and b i'm betting the rules i don't think there'll be a top five unit nationally but if fosky is a 14 sack guy and Jason Adamiola and Riley Mills have their best years ever. And so does Howard Cross and Jacob Lacey and all those things I just said could happen, happen, then they would be. But I yeah, think it's I, like closer to a than B, but I'd have to, if I had to pick similar one, to, but it's like similar to recent seasons to me it includes 2018. Okay. Then that's so, a top five DL nationally though. Was it? Yeah. I mean, it was I a really think, good line. I think I Alabama, I mean, Alabama, I mean, Clemson was number one with a bullet. Right. And then I think, you could argue anything else at that point. That was a tremendous. That was the that was a tremendous front four. I guess their depth wasn't incredible. It was a tremendous. Yeah, I don't. One back yeah, up, but yeah, I don't know that I would go as far as you, Tim, in in saying top five. But I agree that it's between A and B, and and it's because, okay, you're talking about top five. The first thing I think of is Georgia's defensive line. Right. There's one. <laughs> yeah. You didn't say number I one. Realize it's five. Yeah. yeah. I know it wasn't a top <laughs> yeah. two. I, I get it. Well, it's but like that's, Clem- that's Clem- what, I, it's like I think if you're getting about Clemson your, 2018, talking, well, yeah, Clemson 2022 is going to be ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think if you did like your talking talent series nationally, I don't think Notre Dame would be in that in my top five for defensive lines, but I think they'd probably be in the top ten. Yeah, and I was kind of going with did you like my parameters there was all those guys that are seniors and and third year juniors could easily have their best year plus Foskey, that pushes you to the cusp of the top five, I think. Just, I just named like seven guys that yeah. I think are among the top 25 players on the team. So I think I, maybe I have a little higher viewpoint of them because I, I like about seven guys in terms of being a top 
2023. Yeah. Um, and Pete, I mean, I, I will be having a talent drain. Is that what you were referring to? No, it's just talking like talent. When, you, when you talking talent, when you sort of rank the teams yeah. by position group, oh, 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 if, you yeah. did, if you did that nationally, obviously you're not going to do Georgia. Yeah. Um, but I think that you'd be able probably be able to find five defensive lines just with more raw ability on them. But I, I don't think you could find 10. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, okay. We're going to conclude with the double question here. First from Conman 24 with the Jordan Addison story and the rumors regarding Alabama attempting to woo, woo Michael Mayer away. How can anyone oppose the notion that NIL has completely gotten out of hand? And then a question from play like a champ seven on a scale of one to 10 with 10 being the worst. How worried are you for the sport of college football? I mean, Pete, I don't, I don't suspect that you're worried about the sport of college football. Uh, I am. I, I okay. feel like it's a, it's a, it's a snake that's eating itself right now. Um, that's a great a, phrase. It's not a good, things are not in a good spot. Um, you know, so it's like, I'm, wor- I'm not worried about next season. Um, I, if you told me that somebody got this figured out in the next 36 months, I think that would be fine but it takes forever for anybody to do anything in college football or college athletics in general. And especially so I'm not the, confident in that, especially with the state of the NCAA, NCAA, which is, I mean, they're, they're powerless. I mean, they had 27 years to figure this I, out. That's when Ed O'Bannon wanted his name, image and likeness to be or 25 years. Sorry. He wasn't, he wasn't a collegian when it happened. Uh, actually, they had longer than that. They had Chris Weber complaining about having his jersey selling and he couldn't buy lunch. Um, they've had a long time to work on this. It is, I am worried about the sport of college football because I know a lot of people that are going to be disenchanted by what's going on with paying players to switch schools. And I, I have to say about that, though, and we, I said this before the podcast. All right. Alabama wants Michael Mayer for a million dollars. Okay. Let's say I am a guy at dreamland barbecue and i want somebody in alabama college football heaven to be my spokesman or say a couple things for dreamland barbecue and i have the money to give a million dollars do i want to give it to alabama tight end elijah brown or do i want to give it to michael mayer and if you think that there's a difference or there's no difference fine but I might think there's a difference. I might want to use my million dollars to get Michael Mayer and Jordan Addison and Dante Moore and put them on my team. And it's my prerogative because all the idiots didn't come up with a reason to stop someone from doing it. Yeah. And it, now, nope. it doesn't make it good. I don't want pay for play, but of course pay for play is going to happen. How do you, how can you even fake it? Like Notre Dame has a plan. Notre Dame is using NIL properly. We think. Notre Dame got sick of it and did everything behind closed doors and said to one recruit, all right, you know, we want to, we want to give you $500,000 to be a spokesman for something we'll figure out. Was it someone going to say no? Yeah. I mean, like you're telling me like if that happened, if you got into a situation with Dante Moore where Notre Dame was like, all right, well, we got an IL uh, deal for you with uh Lippert core, core life, Jack coat, replace Jack. Core life, whatever. Where no one any local business. Notre Dame's not going to be like, ah, no, we're not. Cause it's within the rules. Yeah, not the spirit of the rules, no, but right, right. the letter of the rule. Um, it's not. I don't know. It's just not a. It's not a healthy situation. College football is going to be a hot mess for a couple of years. If you told, but if you could guarantee me they figured this out, then I'd say like, you know what, college football can withstand these two years of just absolute madness because that's what it's going to be. 
Um, you just got to figure out how do you get to the other side of this? You know, it's easier to keep a Michael Mayer because he's so close to cashing in in the NFL. Yes. Maybe, with, maybe as a but, freshman, right. But well, that's what I'm saying. When that they, guy play against them, maybe they were like, oh, right. But you know, with like, a Dante Moore, he's, he will yeah. just be starting. Yeah. Well, well George, it, I mean, isn't Jordan Addison really close to cashing in in the NFL? He won the Bolitnikoff last year. Yeah, but he's going to a much more high, well, assumingly a high-profile program that, and I imagine the NIL opportunities out there. Are, no, they just they just paid a quarterback to pretend like he might be going to Wisconsin and left yeah. Oklahoma to go to USC. Right. You know, right. I mean, um, and I'm I want to clarify, I'm not like in favor of all this. I just can't understand how people didn't think they were just going to start paying players because all you have to do is what I said: five hundred thousand dollars. You're going to find well, somewhere for you to endorse. But think about how easy Ford and Honda. I, I mean, the, 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 the genie is so far out of the bottle that now people are, you know, prospects are thinking in terms of hundreds of thousands to yeah. millions of dollars, Jeez, whereas incredible. they could have been appeased with way less if you just had <laughs> been, been proactive for, oh, yeah. been for 75 years. Right. Appeased right. With less than I mean, I, they, nobody, you know, you couldn't have imagined a couple years ago the state of NIL and what's going on. You could, you, you couldn't have, no, no, not you, wouldn't have started, you wouldn't have like, a reason hey, to. There's no rules. Once it yeah. started, you could imagine a lot of things. Yeah. But. Well, I just, I didn't, I'm shocked. I mean, the Miami basketball story is in <laughs> some way much more shocking to me than Jordan Anderson leaving Pittsburgh for potentially USC because it's freaking Miami basketball. Who cares? Yeah. Like what no, is it? What USC is the point. upside in, like paying a Miami basketball player $400,000. Like I just, well, they just made the, what's the return on investment there. They were elite eight or went, how far did they go? Yeah. They I, did go the elite eight. Again, that's yeah. my point. It's Miami yeah. basketball. Yeah. We don't know. It's opposing <laughs> USC know, football. That, people understand that. Right. But they're on, but USC has been lousy in football. Miami's on the cusp of going to the final four. Well, you know what? Actually, I, I know what you're it. saying. I get yeah, it. I, just, I get it. But I mean, I get it. And I guess to the point, to both of your points, all you need is two guys to be on the cusp of the final four. Right. You just, you just get two uh, right. of the best players in the country are on the cusp of the final four. That, that it makes it a little different, but I mean, basketball is only going to be slightly less unseemly than it used to be. <laughs> it's just going to be a little more. Right. I mean, it's like right. all the guys at Kentucky, uh, to Like I'm, I'm glad he's making $2 million a year now and will be playing college basketball. Cause I like watching college basketball. Like I've, I have no problem with that at all. Um, but like the transactional stuff, like going from Kansas state to Miami for $400,000, just that, that, that sort of blows my mind. Can we, uh, go over the list of college basketball players that are coming back that real quickly, because we're running. Yeah. We're right. What's that? (laughs) Can we go over the list of college basketball talent that's coming back? That does not include Notre Dame's two of their five starters. I mean, what in the world? By the way, Notre Dame you can't have more t- guys come back than North Carolina, Kentucky had in this situation. Did we talk about Marcus Hammond last week? When did that happen? We didn't talk about Nate Lashesky signing with an agent either. No. Sorry, I was unaware that that occurred. Yeah, I when did that happen? It was a Tom Doy tweet. There's a whole list of people, and Blake Wesley didn't sign with an agent, and Nate Lashesky did. Well, uh, hmm. that's a significant blow. So that's now two big guys that they have to get as opposed to just uh, Grant Vasily. So anyway, we're running along. We'll talk about it again. Uh, I'm sure we'll have topics along this line a week from today on Monday 
May 9th when we reconvene for Irish Illustrated Insider. Thanks for joining us.